You are listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast, Episode 100. The Canadian immigration process can be complex and frustrating. With the Canadian Immigration Department making it virtually impossible to speak to an officer, there are a few places to turn to for trusted information. The Canadian Immigration Podcast was created to fill this void by offering the latest on immigration law, policy, and practice. Please welcome ex-immigration officer and Canadian immigration lawyer, Mark Holthy, as he is joined by industry leaders across Canada, sharing insight to help you along your way. Well, everyone... Wow, the centennial episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast. I was just looking back to see when did the first episode actually start? So this is episode 100 and it's hard to believe. I didn't realize that I'd actually started this long ago, but July 8th, 2014. So we are we are closing in on nine years of, of podcasts. Now, in fairness, over the last little stretch, I've really shifted to video and growing the YouTube channel and things like that. But now that the pandemic has ended and all of you guys are commuting back to your offices, whether you're HR managers, global mobility specialists, or all you lawyers and consultants out there, um, yeah, this is exciting because we are going to launch a whole new series. It's called the Business Immigration Series, all focused on all things corporate immigration. And I'm not alone this time, fortunately. I have my fearless compadre here, Alicia Backman-Bahari, who is uh, one of my um, most most valued associates in my firm, who really runs the firm herself, actually, is what happens. Uh, Alicia, I'm so delighted to have you join me on this business immigration series. How are you doing? I am really well. I am very excited to be here for the centennial edition. I kind of... I think it's almost coming full circle because when we looked back, Mark, at what you were doing July of 2014, it was a very similar topic. We were talking, you were talking about business immigration nine years ago, and the world has certainly changed in those nine years. And I think the time is ripe again to come back and revisit what is happening with business immigration because there are many moving pieces these days that, you know, as an employer, where do you start? Yeah. And, and, you know, just for the listeners, if you go back to, yeah, this, this first episode, uh, dated July 8th, 2014, the top 10 things employers should be aware of regarding the recent changes to the temporary foreign worker program announced on June 20th, 2014. And that's when Jason Kenny turned everything upside down with the temporary foreign worker program. And then episode two was the top five ways to stay in Canada if faced with the temporary foreign worker, foreign worker program cap. And so essentially, these um, all surfaced as a result of the global recession. And uh, things were booming here in Alberta, and there was less than 3% unemployment, and you know employers were desperate for jobs. And Uh, for people filling them, there were labor shortages all over the place. And ironically, Alicia, I remember in those days when um, you would uh, submit an LMO application and there would be uh, a Service Canada officer who helped you correct any mistakes that might have been on the application. Oh my goodness. You had to fax it in, Matt. 
You, yeah. Do you remember, Mark? Yeah. You had to fax in that whole application package. And if a page didn't go through, then you'd have to start all over again from the very beginning with the fax machine. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and the packages were always bigger than the fax machines could handle. And I remember um, I had recently left uh, the nice little law firm of Gallings up in Calgary. And I moved down to um, when I was working in uh, when North and Company, uh, one of the law firms down here in Lethbridge. And this was in the early days, so the late 2000s, I guess, kind of 2006, seven. And their fax machine, just it couldn't handle the, the stack of documents we were submitting for these LMIAs. And there yep. was no way of really knowing whether or not they received it. So we're in a new world now. You know, we're seeing similar patterns. We're seeing labor shortages that are only going to get worse over the next, you know, the short term for sure. And, uh, but now fortunately we've got a little bit more technology to help us in this process. And, you know, the jury's still out on the new online process for filing labor market impact assessments, but we'll see. And it's kind of fun too, Alicia, given the fact that, you know, we've got some, some large scale stuff we're doing right now. And we actually have an ESDC liaison officer who's assigned to us to help us with this company. Well, they're looking at hundreds and hundreds of LMIAs, but, but it's fun to see that, you know, we're kind of back into this world. This is where it all started for, for us in our practices. Yeah. And the interesting thing too, is that, so no longer can you file applications by fax. You could still do paper applications, but for a very short time, the lifetime of the paper LMIA application is quickly coming to an end because as of April, 2023, that online LMIA process is going to become mandatory. So I think it's very timely to be able to talk to businesses right now about prepare. You know, it's February, 2023. So prepare internally, what's your business immigration strategy and know ahead of time what you're going to need to do if you do have to go into the world of LMIAs. Yes. Okay. Well, let's introduce our listeners to this new business immigration series. And, um, as the longest running, I think I can safely say this Canadian immigration podcast, although we've kind of dropped off a little bit, but we're, this is the big resurgence. Um, what are we going to cover here in this business immigration series? Like who's it targeted towards? I kind of said a little bit in the beginning, but maybe you can just set the stage for what's to come. Yeah. So more and more, we've been getting more consultations from employers and HR managers and people who are trying to figure out, well, how do I hire a foreign worker? Or I have somebody who comes to me and I realize that they're not a Canadian citizen or permanent resident. So we're really targeting this series at employers people who need to hire foreign workers and really don't know exactly where to start or they don't know what they don't know. And so there's a large liability out there unless you've actually canvassed what your due diligence requirements are in this field. Exactly. So what we're going to do as we, as this all plays out, we have already mapped out our strategy for the first starting point. And uh, as an employer, Alicia, where do you start? Yeah. So I think it's important to have a roadmap for understanding what are the things that you need to start to consider as an employer. So this whole business immigration series is going to lay things out kind of in a similar way to what we do when we talk to employers to go through a decision making process or a decision tree to figure out, well, do you need to go down this program, that program or the next program? So that'll be how we tackle this issue. And I think one of the most important things as an employer from the beginning, where do you start, is to think long-term. 
So not just, okay, well, I need somebody to fill this position for the next year, but if I'm going to enter into the world of business immigration law, what do I need to know? What sort of business immigration strategy do we need to have? And does that need to be formalized? Does it need to be put into a written document? And does HR, does HR know what's going on? And are they on board? And are they staffed to be able to manage this process? Yeah. And I think, you know, when we, when we talk about business immigration, um, too often people just focus on the immediate need. What is right in front of me? And then they go down whatever process and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different options for securing work permits or heck even determining whether or not a work permit's even required in some instances. But we know that uh, the government has established kind of two basic streams for companies who are looking to source workers from abroad or transfer workers into Canada. And uh, we're going to cover all of those. So do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction into those two worlds? Yeah. So really the default rule is that everybody needs a work permit. And in the most of the cases, everybody needs a work permit plus a labor market impact assessment. That's what we've been talking about with these LMIAs. Lawyers are terrible for using acronyms and so are we. So when we've been talking Do, do you know what it, the worst is? When when clients call and say, "Can I get a Lima?" Oh my goodness, it's it drives me crazy. It's not an L I M A. It's a <laughs> We're not talking about a city in Peru. We yeah. are talking about an LMIA, a labor, labor market impact assessment. And what does that mean? Well, it means that Service Canada or ESDC is actually going to do a labor market impact assessment of whether bringing in a foreign worker is going to negatively affect the labor market or whether it'll be neutral or positive. That's what we mean. And that's the default rule is that most jobs, most employees who are foreign nationals are required to have a work permit and most companies are required to have that LMIA. However, that's not where we start. We don't start at the default rule. We start to see whether any of the exemptions apply because if the exemptions apply, well, hooray, we are going to go down that route because it's a path of much less resistance than having to enter the world of LMIAs. So, and I'll clarify, in- Alicia, path of, of less resistance is probably an understatement. The LMIA process is a freaking nightmare. And uh, if you're really trying to do it properly and, and get things set up properly, it's an unbelievable amount of work that is wrought with with pitfalls and and problems all throughout strewn all throughout the process whether it's the ads or you know the 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 uh, filling in the actual application form or the transition plans or all of these things even compliance on the back end which applies to everything but all of those little areas those pitfalls those landmines oh my goodness like we are highly motivated as immigration business immigration lawyers to avoid the lmia process at all costs um and so how do you do that? Yeah, so so that's the world. The, the world of LMIAs is under the umbrella kind of definition of the temporary foreign worker program. So if you have to deal with the temporary foreign worker program, the employer needs to get that LMIA. The other big kind of umbrella category is if you are LMIA exempt, but that employee still needs a work permit. And that is under the world of the IMP, International Mobility Program. 
And if you're under the world of the IMP, then usually the employer has to go through the employer portal and they're still tied to a whole bunch of compliance, as you mentioned. So those are kind of the two big umbrella categories, but there is another category of sometimes, and it's pretty limited, but sometimes business visitors and other people can come in and they can work without a work permit. And those are very specific circumstances. And as an employer, you need to be 100% sure that you're getting it right if you are trying to bring people in without a work permit. Well, Alicia, see, I have business meetings in Canada that are coming up. And uh, yeah, I'm just coming in just for a short stay. You know, there's a few projects we're kind of looking at a little bit, but it's mostly just meetings with my uh, with with our sister company in Canada. And um, okay, I I am kind of the regional manager that covers all of North America, um, but it's just meetings. We're just talking. You know, my hands are in my pockets, and so I'm not doing work. Right? I'm just you know I'm just checking in to see how they're doing. But most of the work is really done in the states. You know, that's what I'm doing. That's fine, right? I don't need a work permit for that, right? And this is where it's important, hypothetical employer, that you book a consult with us because these are nuanced situations and the definition of work is under section two and it's extremely broad. And immigration has a number of interpretive guidelines. They have some scenarios that they've put out in terms of their public policy manuals, but this is one of the biggest reasons that employers need to make sure that they are on side if they are having people come up for business meetings and i have air quotes happening here but it's really a dangerous area if you are entering the labor market so this is the whole idea is work is anything that could potentially enter the labor market for which canadians would normally get paid um, wages or commission earned or any sort of payment and so if you're doing something that's taking a job away from a canadian a lot of the time it's work yes and that's the key so lots of times we get you know having these difficult conversations with employers who say look i'm not you know i'm not getting paid I'm, i'm just coming in for meetings to do this and it could be anything. Even my personal favorite was a time an employer sent uh, wanted to send someone in to do some recruiting for the company in Canada, and they said, "Well, we're we're recruiting." And and I said, "Okay, um, well, who is the recruiting for?" Well, it's for the Canadian entity, but all of our recruiting is done out of the U.S. So you know, what's the big deal, right? But it's the opportunity that's being taken away from a Canadian that would have normally been hired to do that recruiting in Canada, and that's just one example. But this is, you know, and having worked on the border as an officer, you know, you're going to get all kinds of results when you come up to that, you know, you fly into the airport and you say, I'm here for meetings. And it can go south in a hurry because these officers, at least the ones that are around now, have been a while, you know, around for a while. They're kind of cranky after the pandemic. And uh, meetings is like a trigger word for them. And uh, yeah. yeah, and it can go, it can go south in a hurry. And with the rollover, and we're dating ourselves a little bit from um, from their old FOSS system that they used, that field operator uh, system that was just unique to the border officers. Now that things have rolled over to GCMS, which is also now, Alicia, an outdated you know system that they need to move away from, but they can track employees all the way back up to the company, and then everybody else coming through can can suffer. And we'll definitely get into a lot of this in future episodes, but it's something people just don't think about. Yeah. And 
when we say to think long term, we're not just saying think long term as a corporation because it's going to affect you. Absolutely. It could be affecting your public image, your brand. It can be publicly embarrassing if you're doing things incorrectly and that gets released to the media. But it's also important to think long term for those employees, right? If somebody's trying to come up to Canada for a meeting and they don't do it properly, that person might be barred from Canada for five years if they've been found to misrepresent. They might have wanted to immigrate to Canada long term and they can lose that opportunity if they're, you know, denied their work permits or if they have a, a refusal at the border and they're directed to return to their home country. So think long term for the good of the business, but also for the good of the employees themselves. Absolutely. And when you have individuals that are coming to you saying, uh, can you schedule a flight for Canada because I've got some meetings that are coming up? And then you as the HR manager, the global mobility specialist says, um, okay, what exactly are you doing? And they say, oh, no, I'm just coming up for some meetings, but you're the regional manager over Canada. Yeah, I don't, like I always tell the officers that it's just meetings and they never have a problem with it. So we don't need to go through the the hassle of, of calling Mark and Alicia to get a work permit. Um, well, understand that, uh, you know, if you're aware of it as an HR manager, well, Alicia, what what are some of the consequences of that? Yeah, absolutely. So why is it important to get it right, right from the start? Because there are not only reputational damage risks, but there are legal risks. We are talking about criminal fines and jail time and penalties. And this is under the Act. So we're looking at the Immigration and Refugee Protection Act, ERPA. And if you look at Section 124, Sub 1, Sub C, it says that you are not allowed to employ a foreign national unless they have proper work authorization. And get this, it's even worse under Section 2. If you are an employer, you are deemed to know that you have to have a work permit for that person. Um, and you have to have due diligence to undertake to make sure that, you know, if that person somehow doesn't need a work permit, you've done your due diligence to figure out why and how. Exactly. And yeah, and those, like you pointed out, those consequences are not just a legal consequence. You know, there's a reputation problem and there's nothing worse than getting your company's name in the media for the wrong reasons. And in a world where, you know, everybody is very protectionist about their, their jobs and their, you know, their industries and your competitors are looking for a competitive advantage. Oh my goodness. If they get wind that maybe you're sending some workers in and they're doing things that could be work or even in a gray area. And then they call the newspaper and say, you know, company ABC Co is uh, sending workers in here and they're taking jobs away from Canadians. My goodness, that becomes a very, very problematic situation that then not only is a reputational flows back to the legal because then your company's flagged as you continue to send people in. So you always have to pay close attention to the stuff. And, and it's a new world, right? Because it's not 2014 anymore. We actually have now, because we have an online kind of ability to search for companies who have applied for an LMIA and companies who have basically breached one of the provisions. And so if there is an employer compliance audit or inspection or review, and then a company is not complied, then that eventually, if they fail to rectify it, gets publicly listed and so people can actually search and they can see whether companies are non-compliant and back in those early days that public list hadn't really been been published it hadn't been built out but if you search now it's definitely alive and well and so it's kind of 
the wall of shame of companies who are not complying with all sorts of immigration regulations and rules and the Immigration Refugee Protection Act. Exactly. So, Alicia, we've got, uh, as you've alluded to it, we've got two different kinds of, or I guess, main groups of, of work permit options, one through the labor, uh, through the Temporary Foreign Worker Program and the other through the International Mobility Program. And in this business immigration series, we are going to go through those and really dissect all of the various aspects of the process. So once again, this is really directed to HR managers, global mobility folks, people that are overseeing the foreign worker program within their companies. Um, And uh, as we go forward, we've got an initial 10 episodes that we've got scheduled that we want you to watch for. And uh, the next episode, episode two, will start it off right from the beginning which is work permit exemptions. And you've hinted at some of those, which is, you know, business visitors. But uh, can you give a little bit of a tantalizing little teaser for what we're going to cover in the next episode? Yeah, for sure. So the big one would be business visitors. And there are some business visitors who are defined under Section 186 and Section 187 of the Act. But there are also very specific particular circumstances that some people can fall under. Um, There are public policies short-term exemptions. So some types of high-skilled national occupation classification codes can come in for very short times. 15 to 30 days, there's kind of discontinuance requirements where you can't keep doing that back to back. So be really careful about that. Um, There are also free trade agreements. Canada has a number of free trade agreements. And, you know, sometimes people still call it NAFTA, but now it's the Canada-US-Mexico free trade agreement. And that changes the acronym depending on whether you're standing in the US or whether you're standing in Mexico or standing in Canada. But anyways, it's the current free trade agreement between Canada, the US and Mexico. So there are certain exemptions for working without a work permit under those provisions. And there are other free trade agreements. And I think a lot of people may not realize how many there are. Canada has They're a number growing, of free trade agreements. It seems like every every year we see new ones that are popping up. So anyone yeah. who is not aware of those FTAs is is really, really missing out on some potential opportunities depending upon source countries. Yeah. There are very specific exemptions also. So emergency service providers and, and people who are coming in um, under very specific jobs for specific reasons. There are also things that may happen a bit more regularly after sales services, warranty, uh, supervisors, training and installation situations. So there are a number of potential reasons why you could have an employee come into Canada and not require a work permit. And that's what we're going to talk about in episode two. Awesome. Well, that's fantastic. All right. Well, we've blazed through this first episode and we wanted to keep it kind of a reasonable length. It's a little bit shorter because it's more of our intro um, our intro episode to our business immigration series. We hope that this will be very beneficial. If you ever have a suggestion or a tip, or we've said something wrong and we need to correct it in another episode, all you need to do is send an email to info at holthelaw.com direct it uh, to the podcast. And um, yeah, we'd love to get your feedback on what you want to learn about. Um, It really helps uh, when we're creating these episodes to know that the audience is getting exactly what they're looking for. Don't hesitate to share this with anyone that you know. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, we're really looking forward to this. So we're excited to have you guys join us. Thanks a lot, Alicia. Any final parting comments before we we let everyone go? 
Well, I'm just going to say kudos to you. Happy 100. Yeah, I can't believe it. 100. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Immigration Podcast. Your trusted source for information on Canadian immigration law policy and practice. If you would like to book a legal consultation, please visit www.holtylaw.com. You can also find lots more helpful information on our Canadian Immigration Institute YouTube channel, where you can join Mark on one of his many Canadian Immigration Live Q&As. See you soon, and all the best as you navigate this crazy world we call Canadian Immigration. This episode of the Canadian Immigration Podcast is sponsored by the Canadian Immigration Institute, one of the best sources of video content on Canadian immigration to help you navigate your way through the Canadian immigration process. Head on over to the YouTube channel where there's tons of video content and you can join Mark, yes, myself, in a number of live video streams, Q&As, all designed to help you navigate your way through this crazy Canadian immigration process. When you're done there, like and subscribe and then head on over to the CanadianImmigrationInstitute.com where you can find all those awesome DIY courses that I've been talking about. Thank you, Canadian Immigration Institute. You are the sponsor of this amazing little podcast. Yeah.